So today we're looking at Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And we walked through the first chapter uh, there, and we've looked at the Lord telling them to consider their ways. And how they are to consider their ways in the way that they have not been able to retain much of what they have worked for. Because of, for 16 years, the temple sat unbuilt. It sat there and no one had done anything for 16 years. Uh, King Cyrus had given them the ability to come back in to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. He had given them access to every material that they needed. But they came back in. They started the work, they laid the foundation, and then they got distracted by their own lives. It did not return to the work of the Lord, and their, their harvests weren't coming to anything. Their wages, it says, that they, it was like they were putting them in sacks with holes in it. Nothing was going in their favor. And listen, God wants things to work in our favor for His glory. He wanted the temple to be built for His pleasure and for His glory. And it's not for us Ultimately, to receive glory, but it's for us to receive blessing because we are allowing God's glory to go forth. And the people have become uh, lazy and self-centered about their lives and not focused on the Lord and His glory and His temple, ultimately. And we looked at, we've got three primary folks that we're looking at, uh, two primary people and then a, the group of people, the remnant. And we've got them there, and the scripture tells us there in Haggai chapter 2, verse 1, in the seventh month, on the, 21st, uh, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And to the remnant of the people saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. As we look at this today, I think about in these first few verses, there's three major points that I have found in this text. The first thing we need to consider our way, we need to consider our way of comparing. That's verses one through three. And then in verses four and five, we need to consider our way of persevering. And then in verses um, 6 through 9, we need to consider our way of dependence or of depending. These are what, what uh, Haggai calls the people to. He calls them to consider their way of comparing. Now, if always in these oracles, they want you to know, God wants the people to know, and Haggai wants to chronicle 
what has happened and in what time frame. Because he wants to give glory to God because of how he's worked in the people. As I said in weeks past, Haggai is the only prophet in the, in the Old Testament that actually was obeyed. When, when the word of the Lord came unto Haggai and Haggai said it unto the people, the people responded. And he's the only one. And the rest of them were killed. All kind of bad stuff happened to the prophets of God. But Haggai, and, and, and by the fact of how we're going to read today, we're going to understand that it's quite likely that Haggai was probably in his 70s or possibly even bumping close to 80 years old at this time when the word of the Lord came unto him. And it tells us on the seventh month, in the 21st of the month, for us today, that would be October the 17th, 520 B.C. That's nearly a month after they had began rebuilding. It says, The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, now understand this, when we, when we talk about this month, in, this, in the time of this month, the word, uh, they, they, they would normally be having a grand harvest festival at this time of the year. That's normally what would be taking place. However, the combination of the famine and the slow progress on the smaller temple would have made this celebration feel like a Thanksgiving dinner without a turkey. That's how it would have felt. The famine had been rocking them. They have not been able to get the food. You know, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He said, you know, you have drink, but you're still thirsty. You had food, but you're still hungry. You've got clothes, but you can't keep warm. All these different things have been happening to the people. And he says, this is happening because we've not been building the temple. And then after, after that first uh, oracle in verses 12 through um, 15, I believe it is, they get after it. They start doing, yes, that's right, 12 through 15. They start getting after the work of the Lord takes them a week they gather up all their stuff and they get to work they start getting all the materials and then in chapter 2 it tells us there in october 17th a month later they are really getting after it and uh the lord speaks through haggai and he calls him out first as he's done in every oracle he says speak unto uh speak now to zerubbabel the son of shetiel the governor of judah and speak unto joshua the son of jehozadak the high priest and speak unto all the remnant of the people and ask them, ask them, saying, Who is left among you who has saw this temple in its former glory? How do you see it now? And then this is where I get the, the first thing here. In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? When we consider comparison is one of the worst things we can do. Mark Twain says this, comparison is the death of joy. Comparison is the death of joy. And in a culture today that everything is comparative, everything, we've got fake lives being posted all over social media. People want to people put this out there and everybody compares their lives to the images of other people on social media. Oh, they got to do this. I don't get to do that. You're comparing your life to them. Don't do that. They may be in a different stage of life. All these different things may be going on. You know, we compare ourselves. We compare ourselves, oh, the, and, and this is, this, we do this in the church all the time, and we set ourselves up for failure. Oh, this used to be so great, but look at where we are now. So what? Look at where we are now. What's in the past is past. We can't do nothing with that anymore. We can see what was good about it. We can see what was bad about it. But quit comparing. We are where we are now. So what do we do? We move forward. That's what, that's what the message is to us. Quit comparing. Jimmy Evans, uh, a man I listen to from time to time, most of his stuff is about marriage. He said uh, comparing is tormenting. 
When we begin comparing our lives, and, and he specifically was talking about in a marriage situation, when we are comparing and we're looking at this and, and, and looking at things on the internet or looking at things in the past, you know, uh, all these things we're looking at and we're comparing, that is torment. You're setting yourselves up for failure. And in this, he's, he's telling them, he says, in comparison with it, talking about the previous temple, is this not in your eyes is nothing? He's saying, if you keep comparing this temple, this foundation that's been laid with what was, you are going to be tormented. This is going to be terrible. But this is the deal. Look at what Christ is doing now. I'm with you. He said that in those, in those verses in the previous chapter. I am with you. That's all I need to know. That's all you and I need to know. Is the Lord with you? Quit comparing. The Lord at one time in your life was not with you. You were lost in sin and on your way to hell. Quit comparing that. If, if you've been saved and redeemed by Jesus, you're not there anymore. You're in a whole new place. Quit comparing. Move on and see what Christ is doing right here. He says, who is left among you there in verse 3? Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? We know there were some. You go back to Ezra chapter 3. And it talks about how the, the older generation saw the, the foundation and they wept because they remembered Solomon's temple in all of its glory. And it had a lot of glory. Don't get me wrong. Solomon was wise. He knew how to work everything uh, and, 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 and talk to people. And man, he was known worldwide. People came from all over the world to see Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And I'm sure he used those, those connections to get great things to go into that temple. And it's destroyed. It's gone. What was? It's gone. And the Lord's telling them, quit worrying about the past. Quit living in the past. Yeah, you saw it in its former glory. How do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes is nothing? It is something. You may say, well, our sanctuary used to be full. We used to have this program and that program. So what do we got now? We still got Jesus. He's with us. So what do we do? Since Jesus is with us, let's move forward with Jesus. Let's move forward with the people that God has blessed us with now. Do we miss those days? Do we mourn over the loss of those that have come before us, the, the ministries, the programs, whatever it may be? Yeah, but, but we don't have that anymore. We've got what we got, and what we've got that is the greatest thing to have is Jesus. Quit comparing the past. We get trapped, and we get trapped up trying to compare ourselves i hear people all the time with this particular comparison and they say well michael jordan's the greatest to ever play basketball and then people say lebron james is the greatest to ever play basketball i'm like do you forget bill russell and wilt chamberlain do you forget these guys that were phenomenal elgin baylor do you forget about jerry west do you forget about pete maravich do you forget about all these guys listen they laid the groundwork so these guys can get where they are you might not you can't compare them. They're two different generations, or many different generations, matter of fact. I mean, they didn't even have a three-point line when Pete Maravich played. Could you imagine how phenomenal and what his numbers would have been in today's world? Dude, there would have been nobody. He'd have been the greatest player. They'd been arguing he's the greatest player to ever play the sport. No doubt. And he didn't get to finish his career. He died early. You can't compare. We've got what we've got now. We've got Jesus. We've got you, you've got me, we've got each other, 
We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got this beautiful sanctuary. Two years ago, it was in disarray. Water had come through here and, and messed up this whole place. You look at it now. We got all these things. We got, opportunity. we got this huge CLC building down here. We've got all these things to use for the glory of God today and forward. Let's quit comparing and let's serve the Lord. Let's meet up. Let's get these. I've talked about these committees. Let's get our committees together and let's start planning for ministry. I think 2022 is going to be a phenomenal year. We've already had a great year this year, but man, I'm looking forward and I believe God's going to bless New Prospect Baptist Church. We got to quit comparing though. And we got to start getting on it now and looking toward the future. We got to get on it. Look at that second point there. The second point is this. It's the consider your ways of persevering. Now listen. We know things ain't going to be easy, right? Things ain't always going to be easy. If you're, if you're working for the Lord, if you're in the strength of the Lord, in the will of the Lord, uh, excuse me, if you're in the strength of the Lord, you're working for the Lord and you're in the will of the Lord, it ain't going to be easy. You got to persevere. You got to get after it. You got to sacrifice from time to time. Look at what it says. This is the word of the Lord. It came unto Haggai the prophet. And he's speaking these things unto Zerubbabel, unto Joshua. And he tells these guys, be strong. Be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you. Here it is. He said it for the second time. In, in, in Haggai's oracle to them, in all of his oracles, he says, I am with you. So three things to take within that one idea. We've got to consider our ways of persevering. So we need to persevere in the strength of the Lord. The Lord says unto them, be strong. Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong uh, under the, the, the civil leadership. That's who Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel was. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people. One of the commentaries wrote this. During the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews had the book of Deuteronomy read to them. So they heard the record of the three times Moses told Joshua and the people to be strong. No doubt they also remembered the three times the Lord told Joshua to be strong. And when King David charged Solomon with the task of building the original temple, three times he told his son to be strong. Be strong wasn't an empty phrase. It was an important part of their Jewish history. Be strong, says the Lord. You and I have got to be strong. That means to stand in what we believe. Stand in what God's called us to do. Persevere for the goodness and the glory and the pleasure of the Lord. It's what we are called to do. And he's telling them, you're going to have to persevere. You persevere in the strength of the Lord. In and of myself, I'll falter, I'll fail, I'll sin. You'll see cracks in my armor, if you will. But listen, through the power of Christ, when I have cracks in my armor, the Holy Spirit will pour out. And I pray that's what happens to you and me. Then when enemy, when, when the Bible tells us that the devil has these fiery darts and he's aiming them at you and me, that when he hits us with it, the only thing that pours out is light. Because Jesus Christ resides within us. And everybody sees it. You know, we might be getting hit and taking shots, but let me tell you something, we return with the power and the love and the glory and the grace of God. It's how we respond. We've got to persevere in the strength of the Lord. And it's not just for the civil leadership such as Zerubbabel. It's not just for your spiritual leadership such as Joshua. This is everybody. Everybody's got to stand strong. 
How do you stand strong in the Lord? You know the Word of God. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school a little bit. You want to stand strong? Stand in the Word. Don't stand in my opinion. Don't stand in my preaching. Stand in the Word of God. Everything else changes. The scripture this morning in our Explore the Bible, it said that these traditions will one day wear away. They'll, they'll, they'll be of no use anymore. But listen, the word of God is eternal. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not one jot or tittle should be removed from this word. And we live by it. We stand on it and we persevere through it. That's how we live. We live on the word of God. And that's for everybody. Everybody should be in the Word of God. This is not just your pastor. This is not just your ministers. This is for everybody. It needs to stand strong in the Word of the Lord. And, he's, and we need to persevere in our work for the Lord. Working for the Lord is hard sometimes. It requires sacrifice. Sometimes, you know, I think about our deacons. Our deacons, they've got families. They've got children and grandkids and uh, and they've got maybe great-grandkids. They've, they've got family. They've got wives. They've, they've got responsibilities in the home. But you know, as a deacon, there's a responsibility to reach out and care for our congregation. We've got the deacon family plan ministry. It's to reach out and to communicate and check on people. Just as I have a responsibility to everybody, the deacons have a group of families they're responsible for. And we've got to sacrifice at times. It may require us to go out and make a visit once a week or once a month. And we go out and, you, you know... Take your wife with you. Go out and visit. Go out and make that visit. And you may say, well, I'm not a deacon. As a Sunday school teacher, make a call. You might not want to get out. It's going to get dark earlier, and you might not want to get out at night. Make some calls. Call them up. It might take a little bit of time. You might have to sacrifice your favorite program to make a call to somebody and check on them. Might have to miss Dancing with the Stars or, or The Voice or something like that. Or I don't know what you're watching, but you might have to sacrifice something. It takes sacrifice. You might have to come up here on a Saturday from 9 to 12 and hear what's happening in the women's ministry. Sacrifice a Saturday. Might have to come up here and help cook a meal, help Miss Janice with the dressing. Might have to sacrifice a little bit. Listen, we work for the Lord. Come up here on a Saturday, November the 20th, and serve the Lord by giving food out and blessing families. Listen, we've, been, we've had a family that's been visiting with us just from the last time. They've been with us almost every single week since then, and we've been able to assist them with some needs that they had. Listen, God opens doors, and we need to be ready and prepared to step through them because we're persevering in the work of the Lord. He says, be strong, all you people of the land, says Lord, and work. For I am with you, says Lord of hosts. And then in verse 5, it says, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. We need to persevere in the spirit of the Lord. We've got to persevere in the spirit of the Lord. Listen, when they came out of Egypt, the Lord was with them. By day and by night, he was with them, watching over in them. And what has God given us today? He's given us the spirit to watch over us day and night, to seal us into the day of redemption. We've got to persevere in the Spirit of the Lord. And when we persevere in the Spirit of the Lord, we have nothing to fear. There's nothing for us to fear. One commentator says this, The promise of God's presence with His people is guaranteed by His unchanging Word. When the tabernacle was dedicated by Moses, God's presence moved in, Exodus 40, 34-38. For the Lord had promised to dwell with His people. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them, Exodus 29, 45-46. 
And the same Holy Spirit who enabled Moses and the elders to lead the people would enable the Jews to finish building this temple. We have got to persevere in the Spirit of the Lord. He has given us His Spirit to comfort us, to counsel us, to teach us all things. He has given us the Spirit. He's given us the Spirit so, it may inter- so that He may intercede on our behalf before the Lord. With moanings and groanings that we don't even understand, He can intercede before the Father. We've got the Holy Spirit with us. And according to the Word, that's the reason why I sang that song this morning. According to the Word, God says that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my Spirit remains among you. Do not fear. We can be strong in the Lord. We can, we can persevere in the work of the Lord. And we can persevere in the Spirit of the Lord. And we don't have to fear because He is with us. He is with us. Let's look at these last set of verses, verses 6 through 9. Consider your ways of depending, or consider your ways of dependence. Starting in verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. What a promise, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, when it is finished, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. What a great confidence and comfort to know that we need to consider our ways of depending on the Lord. We need to depend on the Lord. Look at that. How many times does the Lord say, I will? I will shake heaven and earth. I will shake the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. I will fill this temple with glory. He says there in the latter part of verse 9, And in this place, I will give peace. God will do these things. We've got to depend on Him. He will do it. We must trust Him. Be strong in Him. Work in Him and let His Spirit lead in us as we follow Him. It's what we must do if we want to see God's glory here amongst us. If we want to see God's glory, we've got to persevere. We've got to persevere and we've got to trust the Lord and depend on Him. A.W. Tozer said this. He said, I believe... If God were to take the Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what we're doing in our churches would go right on and nobody would know the difference. That's a sad statement. If, we were to, if, if, if God were to remove the Holy Spirit with the programs, with the ministries, with the Sunday mornings, with the, with the Sunday schools, with the Wednesday nights, would they just continue on like nothing's changed? We've got to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit. We've got to. He is the one that does the work. We follow after His work and His will. And we do what He's called us to do. We don't work for salvation. We work from our salvation so that God may be glorified. God has changed us. May we go about being change agents for Him. We've got to serve the Lord faithfully. He says He's going to do this. He says once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth. He's telling them, it may not be immediate, but what you need to do is be prepared. Consider how you're living right now. Be prepared. 
Be prepared. Be depending on me. Look unto me. I am the author and the finisher of the faith. Look unto me. I will shake heaven and earth. Not you. We can't do that type of thing. We can be faithful. We can be strong in the Lord. We can work in the Lord and we can be, we can persevere in the spirit of the Lord. I will shake all nations. Listen to this in verse 7. And they shall come to the desire of all nations. In my Bible, it capitalizes the word D for desire. And you see that there on the screen. Many have taken that to understand that's the messianic return of Christ when he comes back to the temple at the end of time. And that fully can be understood. It can also be understood that when the glory of God comes back into this present temple that they're building right then. Because his presence is glorious. And his presence in the Old Testament is God. God's presence resided there. Either way, he's talking about when you come into the presence of God, people will see the glory of God. When we've been changed by Christ, when we've been changed by the love and the grace of God, the redeeming power, we will fall down and we will be presented and, and be in the presence of the glory of God. We think about Isaiah when he looked up and he saw God in the train of his temple fill the, fill the, fill the glory of, of heaven. And he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Listen, when we see the glory, His glory is going to fill that temple. And listen, you think about this. When we come into the presence of God, and, and as we talked about before, when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up, they thought He was talking about the physical temple. He was talking about His body. Listen, today, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where the glory of God resides. And when I go forth, I go forth in the glory of God. Not in my glory, not in my righteousness. But you and I go forth because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And we go forth in the glory of God. And every word we say, we shall be held accountable for. Because it should be words that have come from Christ. But if we were to catch ourselves and really think about ourselves. How many of our words would we say, Lord, the Lord would never say that? How many things have we posted, liked, shared on any kind of media? Yeah, oh, oh, we're stepping on some toes, on my own toes here, you know what I'm saying? If the glory of God dwells within this temple, I've got to be wise in how I speak, act, live, respond, react, post, subtweet, whatever it may be. I've got to be mindful of those things because I will be held accountable. I'll be, a held as, I'll be a held just as accountable for the things that come through the topping of my fingers and thumbs as I will be that rolls off the tip of my tongue. We better be mindful that Christ who dwells within us is what should be coming out of us. So little of self should be revealed to the public and so much of the Savior should be. But what happens, what happens when people come unto the desire of all the nations? What can happen to them? Look there in the very last line of this, of this text. And in this place, I will give peace says the Lord of hosts. 
In a world today that is in chaos, in a world today that is looking for the next thing to bite and chomp at, everybody wants peace. We want peace. We want peace of heart. We want peace of mind. We want peace in our culture. We ain't going to get it by not living as Christ has called us to live. If you want peace, you've got to let the glory of God reside in your life. You've got to let him come in and change you from the inside out. 